What's up, Fight Fan? You're listening to MMA Daily, the podcast where we bring you the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. It is Monday, November 13th, 2023, and this week's episode, Underdogs Triumph in NYC. We'll talk about the exciting fight from Madison Square Garden, UFC 295, the light heavyweight title on the line, the interim heavyweight title on the line, and what we could see next for the winners. We'll talk about the latest in MMA news, some big changes at the Bellator Lightweight Grand Prix, Aspen Ladd filling in for Julia Budd against Kayla Harrison, and the card in Shanghai, China has a main event, but it's not the one fans expected. And we'll cap it off by talking about this weekend's MMA action, Bellator 301, UFC Vegas 82. My name is Gabriel Gonzalez, and I'm joined by my co-host, Natalie Zamudio. Hello, Double G. What's going on? How was your weekend? Are you ready for El Nino? I think he's coming soon, right? <laughs> the rain? Oh my gosh, yeah. Like Yesterday was nice and sunny and beautiful. Today is overcast. It's wild. And here in our lovely Southern California, it's, uh, you know. Here's the thing about SoCal, ladies and gentlemen. It's sunny so long that anytime it dips before 60, we assume that it's sweater weather and the leaves are going to change and the snow is going to start falling. That's what it's like when you're not used to it all the time. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But um, And then most of the days, let's be real. If you're used to it, you could still walk out there with shorts and a shirt. It just ain't that bad. Anyway, <laughs> I digress, though. Natalie, mm-hmm. it was a fantastic weekend. I got to say, I know there was some talk about the card uh particularly the main card for 85 bucks pay-per-view you lose john jones etc etc i gotta say before we start for an objective two and a half hour block of action that was fantastic yeah i mean uh if i i wrote this down earlier for um our website but out of the five fights three of them ended in the first round no one made it past the second um it's kind of like, you know, when people talk about for, you know, the pay-per-view, the fight was slow. If anything, it was almost anticlimactic because every it, it just popped off. I want to ask you before we talk about the fights, what did you think of that? I mean, when you have all those fights end so quickly, I mean, is it a little anticlimactic or is it like, yes, dang right. This is what I paid for, for bodies to start falling. You know what I mean? Oh, right. I'm on that side of the, of the of the camp. Definitely not anticlimactic. I love it. Let's go. Um, and then it kind of, you know, you, you want a nice, like, um, ebb and flow. And so if you're going to get a full three rounds, you want it to be action-packed. Um, you don't want, you know, just hanging out against the cage. And when you're getting knockouts, it's like, yeah, man, let's go. The only issue with that would then be if it if they don't bring the main event soon like if they if they still make you wait till a certain time if they start filling time to get you to the main event then it's like okay well that that didn't really work out the way i (laughs) the way it looked like it was going to work out but in general yes i love me some fast knockouts let's go you know every now and then i will say this i wouldn't have minded those last two fights breathing a little bit I I want a little bit more meat on the sandwich, as we like to say. You know what I mean? <laughs> I um, do. You well, the can, heavyweight, especially. You know what? Yeah, and actually, the main event more. If I'm being honest, I felt like we could have gotten quite a classic had it kept going. But um, look, I mean, objectively, when you watch it back, this is what you like, right? I mean, when you look at their careers collectively, and you were to look back on any one guy and you see how many times bodies hit the floor when they were in the cage. 
I think it's great. But in the moment, I always think about it as a fan watching it, and I'm like, oh, wouldn't have minded another round or two out of both of those, if I'm being honest. But that's also what you pay for. You know, you sh- you know, we got action. I'm glad we got action. Yeah. Um, To talk about, I mean, let's start with that main event. Julia Prohoshka, Alex Pereira. Um, I, I think the biggest story of the fight, when we talked about the physicality of Yuri, the size of Yuri, I talked about, you know, do I think that Pereira has the, um, quote unquote, the, the touch of death at 205 like he did at 85? When I watched the fight with Blahovich, I was thinking, um, he, he's battering him, but it's not quite the same, right? Right. Um, but here's the thing about Alex, and this is something that I really thought the physicality and the versatility of Yuri was going to neutralize. He is so technically sound. He doesn't throw a lot. And I think that that in a longer fight might have hurt him in this instance. But for the 10 or less than 10 minutes we had, he actually executed it rather well. Picked his spots, didn't leave that many openings, and essentially just kind of waited out a lot of what Yuri was doing. Uh Uh, Look, the kicks to the calf, I mean, we're not talking about it as much. Those were probably some of the best calf kicks since like Gaethje and Poirier when they were chopping up dudes. Yeah, They were really effective, really quick, really well done. He didn't, you know, we talk about this big guy, oh, he's going to spend his power. He didn't use that much energy and he already had Yuri switching stances and kind of in some trouble, right? Brilliantly done. I thought that he neutralized a lot of the damage coming toward him in the first round in terms of the punches from Yiri. I think Yiri was definitely struggling. Timing, range, openings, uh, all of that. You know, even though he was bigger, I felt like his shots with the hands leading up to the finish were more effective. He just is a bigger, stronger engine of destruction at 205. I'll say that right now. Mm -hmm. But Alex more durable at 205 we talked about it not dehydrating and even toward that final frame the biggest thing technicality Yuri leaves himself open and Alex uh two division glory kickboxing champion uh hall of fame for glory over this past week and just finds his opening stays composed lands that beautiful short hook um on the button just puts that momentum behind it cracks Yuri and that's a wrap. Um, there's a lot of talk about the finish. I'll say this right now to kind of expedite us a little bit because we have a lot to talk about. Was Jiri out? No. Would I have let it go a little longer in hindsight if I was the ref? Yes. However, when I look at the position and when I look at, okay, how did Yiri go down? Gets his legs taken out from that short hook. Okay. Tries to get the takedown. Isn't like... He didn't have the momentum. He was kind of locking in his arms. He was eating a lot of elbows. And it was very clearly hurting him. Uh He doesn't finish the takedown. He just kind of falls back with the momentum. Was Jiri out and should he have been given more time? Yes. Jiri didn't make excuses. And I'm going to say it right now. In that particular position, in that particular context of the moment and where he was at, I can't say that I'm confident that he things would have gotten better for Jiri had he let it keep going. I think he would have just eaten more shots and taken more damage. He would have gotten pinned down for the finish had it kept going. Just the way I was watching that. Now, 
I've seen Pat Berry check Congo like everybody. Wild things happen every day. I know the ref was getting a, a tough call. I don't think that was the worst stoppage when you look at it in hindsight. That's just me. What about you? What do you think of the fight? Yeah, I mean, it was exactly, you know, we're on edge because we know what these two guys can do. Let's start there. And thinking about Alex Pereira being in this position to fight for a title so quickly after having won and lost the title um, at 185 so soon after joining the UFC after starting MMA, like it's just a crazy story. Jerry, just his whole persona, the samurai mentality, coming off that big injury, the way he beat, you know, looking backwards, the way he beat Glover when Glover had that fight, it was over. He was going to retain his belt. It was done. One mistake, and that's it. So these are two incredible fighters. The leg kicks, of course, from Pereira were very effective. If that fight had been had gone on longer, that damage would have um, created more opportunities for Alex, I believe, to finish the fight at a later time. But the writing was on the wall. I don't think Jerry was going to be able to hurt Alex with his punches because he had already lost his ability to move the way he normally does due to the leg kicks. There wasn't as much pop behind the punches and Alex Pereira, as we know, has, you know, cement blocks for, for fists. So all that being said, it, it was already pointing in the direction of Alex gaining an advantage and, and, there was plenty of time left on the clock and the rounds for him to capitalize further on those advantages. And then we saw what happened. I do think it was called too soon, but when the man who was defeated <laughs> says, it's not an issue, I'm fine with it, then you just kind of have to roll and say, all right, if you're good with it, I can be good with it too. Because as you, I think you said, you look at the, the damage that was being inflicted, rapid fire elbows to the temple, to you know that top part of the dome it was only a matter of time i think the fight would have been the result would have been the same with you know adding five more seconds to the clock before the ref intervened so it's just essentially you're saving jury some extra blows to the head however you know when it's a title fight especially you want to see the loser really be defeated so that everyone walks away with resolution um, again, though, Jerry's okay with it, so I'm okay with it, too. Yeah, I just look at it, and I'm like, I don't know that he would have gotten out of that position had, you know, the ref lets it go, and you just got Pereira on top of you right. when you've been as hurt as you were. It was an um, inevitability. <laughs> yeah, but I, I, once again, I completely get it. I'm with you there. If you wanted to let it go a little bit, wouldn't have hated it either. But yeah, in the moment, I'm like, ah, let's call it right like it is you know that may that probably wasn't going to get better for him um yeah look uh, I, i'm excited to see jerry back i thought he'd look good i think that uh ring rust and timing might have been a thing full credit to Pereira. like i said technicality he didn't do a lot but what he did was effective and i think that was his strategy i think that it was just like hey you know don't get caught up in trying to do all this you know let's bang and let me leave openings he felt like he could weather that storm, chop away at the mobility, and he did exactly that. And, um, you know, was he a little bit in trouble before that final stanza? Yeah, sure. But look, at the end of the day, you, you know, you held out and you got the win. I gave him the first round and he stopped it in the second. Good win for Pereira. 
um, joins the short but illustrious history of two division UFC champions. Um, obviously, you know, adds to his legacy in glory and kickboxing. And once again, I mean, you talk about Pereira, 10 fights, and he's done this. I mean, I think he's only had six or seven UFC fights overall. This is just insane, right? I mean, you know, Brock Lesnar needed less, but let's be real. That was a different time in UFC history. So for Pereira to kind of do this with the matchups he's had, it's nothing short of impressive. I will say, I once again, I always want to see how far he could take it. The... Route to Adesanya felt a little expedited, but he made the most of it. Full credit to him. Mm-hmm. I think Jiri and Jan Blahovich back-to-back, awesome. But now I am very excited about what comes next for him. When you look at, you know, a wild man like Johnny Walker, a great grappler and wrestler like Magomed Ankalaev, and then obviously got Jamal Hill waiting in the wings in recovery at the top of this, it makes for an exciting time for uh, Pereira. I think if, especially at 205, I like him at this weight class. I do want to see how this continues to translate, you know, his grappling, his power with some of these other physical bangers that he's got at 205. But from what we've seen, there's nothing to say that he can't hang with them Uh in, you know, any given night, any of these top five guys. What about you? Yeah, I think he's proven himself. Even it, it, he's proven himself even in the short window of time that he's been in the UFC because it's not been an easy road. Always, I mean, from the start, just up against the best of the best. So um, I think it's going to be, I don't think he's, I, oh, let me put it this way. There's, there's stiff competition, and now he's got a whole brand new row of, of opponents that are he's never fought before that are ready to, you know, champion at the bit. So it'll be a challenge. It'll be fun. But, you know, I think he has what it takes to at least defend the belt successfully once more. Um, I do want to bring this up. Um, that win over Sean Strickland, right this minute, hasn't that victory just aged like fine wine for him? <laughs> it sure has. I mean, you'd look at these and I was like, bro, he look what look what Sean Strickland is at and what he did to Strickland now. It's like it really is something. Um, so let's uh, let's call it like it is. The UFC would love for him to fight Jamal Hill the same way they would have loved Adesanya to fight Drakus Duplessis. Um, here's the issue. Jamal, serious injury. Uh, you know what's weird? The hand, or sorry, the ankle compared to things like the hand and all that. I mean, there's just so many tiny little bones and ligaments in something like the ankle. That it's like, this is one that you just, you really can't do anything but take your time, right? And so I think with Jamal, the issue with that matchup is now it comes down to the UFC schedule. Pereira didn't really take damage on Saturday. No. He, if you ask him honestly, two and a half months, he could probably run it back if necessary. I'm not saying that's their plan. However... Depending on where Jamal is at now and what the UFC schedule necessitates, they might say, hey, look, um, so-and-so stubbed their toe. They can't fight in March. Jamal can't fight till May. We're just going to have to run it and put Walker or Ankalaev or Anthony Smith in there in March against Pereira. So that's one of those things that's going to happen. For my, uh, Like I said, ideally you want Jamal Hill, but... We've seen it all year. The UFC schedule 
takes precedent over what matchup can we make right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so to look at it, you got Jamal Hill. Uh, we had that funny business with Johnny Walker and Ankalaev a few weeks ago. And that obviously makes things a little, you know, a little muddy in terms of who would be next at 205. I feel like you have to go with Ankalaev. He's the one who I think was winning, quote, the draw against Blahovich last year. I think he was getting going and he was winning the fight until he, you know, until things happen against right. Walker. And yeah, I just think that if it's not Jamal, it should be Ankalaev. I could also see Anthony Smith for the marketability. Um, real quick, the press conference thing, no fans. Like three of the four guys needed translators. You kind of it, it makes it easier to sell when you have someone who can just speak straight up with the media, like an Anthony Smith. Yeah. But meritocracy, I would argue, it's probably Ankalaev's fight. What about you? Yeah, I think it's his too. Jamal Hill, you said, has how much time? I to... don't. To be honest, I have to double check. I yeah. can't remember, but I, I I'd assume, ideally. Assuming he's had a, you know, just perfect recovery, maybe late spring, early summer, ideally. Yeah, and Pereira seemed pretty ready to, I mean, was assuming ready to go fresh, right? Basically no damage. Yeah. Yeah. Like I I said, that comes down to UFC schedule. Like, can you afford to wait? Or it's like, uh, we just have a pay-per-view. We need a main event. Get in there. Yeah, man. I don't know. That's a tough one because, like... What Pereira has done is amazing, but is he a big enough name to have him just fight someone like Ankalaev, or do you want to wait for Jamal Hill? Is Jamal Hill, has he made a big enough name for himself? Like, what is the biggest fight right now, or is it just a matter of, you know, let's just keep the conveyor belt rolling and get him to, to defending his belt? Um, yeah, Ankalaev, that's a, that's a tough matchup. That's a good one. I would prefer Jamal Hill, but yeah, with the timing of it, you know, we can't wait around forever. And, you know, I'd like to keep, well, we'll get into heavyweight right now, but you know, I, what I don't want is like hold up, hold, hold ups. Let's keep these big guy divisions rolling. Uh, Absolutely fair. And uh, yeah, I think the, all this to say the schedule will determine, you know, where and who we see Pereira against uh, next. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, but I am excited. I'll tell you this. I, I, I'm way more interested to see who he fights next after the way he performed this Saturday. So, you know, full props. He made history. Great, great moment for him and just goes to show. Uh, before we move on to things with the Pereira, what do you think of this? Uh, he spent the post-fight speech calling out Adesanya. That was kind of, I won't say silly, but it's like I feel like that's been resolved. And Adesanya's taking time off. But again, the biggest name that he's faced has been Adesanya. So it right. kind of makes sense. And it suggests to me that he's he still wants a, you know, <laughs> a, a revenge, which of course makes sense. And he's not going back down anytime soon or at all. Adesanya tested the waters at 205. So it's something that we know he's you know, capable of doing again. Um, that is the biggest name he can call out. But I'm not interested in seeing that fight right now. You know, Izzy lost to Sean Strickland. He needs to take his time off, come back whenever. 
if he decides that he's done with 185, then okay. But I don't think he is. And we obviously don't know when he's coming back. So what would you think? Were you excited or were you like, oh, that doesn't make sense? <laughs> so I saw the edit of Adesanya's interview clipped with Pereira's interview. And it was nice and short and concise. And look, I, I love a lot of that energy every now and then. Like the last dance, Michael Jordan, every time something happened in the meme. And I took that personally. That's what it felt like watching Pereira. And it's like he said I was going to be in the bar watching him be a superstar and be envious. And that motivated me to get back in the gym and fight and uh, all this other stuff he's gone on to do now. And it was like Pereira was giving him that like, and I took that personally. Yep, yep. And I was like, on the one hand, I love that energy. Now I looked at it and I'm like, just like you, objectively, it's like you're on the upswing Adesanya is on a downswing. I'm not saying permanently. Adesanya right. is still fantastic. But in this moment, the way he lost to Sean Strickland and the fact that he's taken this uh, voluntary layoff, it's kind of like, Pereira, you got so many other fish in the sea. And like you said, we've resolved this a bit. And also the whole 205 thing. I mean, Pereira's so much bigger than Adesanya at 85. Holy guacamole. Imagine those two with each other at 205, you know? Yep. So th that's how I felt about it. But I'd be lying if I said that energy wasn't... It, if you told me they're going to make a third fight, I wouldn't hate it. In <laughs> MMA, I mean. I, this is yeah. obviously fight number five, I believe, overall for them. But it's like, I wouldn't hate it. But once again, if you tell me, like, as a paying fan in this moment, what would I want to see? It would be one of the other guys for Pereira, not Adesanya. I love the energy. This is clearly what wakes Pereira up to be great is uh -huh. being able to motivate himself against opponents like that. Don't hate it. Completely get it, if that makes sense. Yeah, uh, for sure. Um, the, people were talking about their stare down. What did you feel about that? Is this the, that's the one where they put their hands on each other? Well, no? they did, yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Aspinall and Sergey, I thought, did more of the hugging, but like okay, they were talking that's, about that's how confusing them both. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Jiri with the samurai warrior stance, Pereira full Easter Island stance. You know what I mean? I, I'm not gonna lie. I thought Jiri and Alex. I feel like the fans put more projected more onto it. I just kind of felt like they were both really focused. But I never really felt like, like, for example, the um, Aljamain Sterling, Sean O'Malley, where they just like get in each other's face yeah, while Bruce yeah. Buffer's talking. That was more intense. But, you know, they were they were just really focused, Jerry and Alex. I don't know that I felt the hype the way the commentary did, but that's just me. I it was intense. It was intense, but I yeah. didn't think it was. Yeah, like uh, extraordinary. It's It's like. I guess I would say it's exactly what you would expect from those two characters. Yeah. Like, I never felt like Bruce Buffer, be quiet. We need to get going, you know? Yeah. Uh, Sean and uh, Aljo, those guys, it's like, bro, just be like, Aljamain Sterling, you know, uh, Sean O'Malley, let's go. That that would have been more, uh, that was more like, let's get it on. Yep. Anyway, um, co-main event, uh, obviously, you know, a lot, we expected it to be fast. I tweeted this out. Full camp, no camp, there's a good chance this fight ends quickly anyway. So it's almost hard to say, well, he had this, he had that, and it's like, both of them on a full camp, it might end at the same time. I will say, if you had told me one guy, 
I didn't think to say this, but it's probably true in my heart. The guy who connects first felt like they were going to win between Sergey and Tom. Mm-hmm. And yeah. ironically, that's not what happened. That's not what happened. I know. They get started. Yeah. Sergey cracks Tom. And I actually felt like, you know, he's actually being a little patient. He wasn't being reckless. And I was like, okay, like, you know, the 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 right ends for Tom Aspinall. It's not going to end with that triumph. Sergey, you know, just uh, silent assassin at heavyweight. Going to walk him down and get him. And instead, Tom, faster timing finds that opening on Sergey and just cracks him off the temple, follows up for the finish. Uh, just super impressive. Um, bring it up right now, the fact that he said that um, he hurt his back two and a half weeks ago, and so his, quote, training camp that he did get to have, he barely could move. I'm like, what? That's crazy. I mean, I talked about this. Like when Habib says he submitted Gaethje so not to beat him up, that feels like, You're trying to hype up your own legend. (laughs) Tom Aspinall ain't that kind of dude. And I was like, you know what? Sometimes these nice guys have great things happen for them. He found his moment. He executed. He got the job done. Tom Aspinall, interim heavyweight champion. Uh, Congratulations. That was awesome. What about you? It was incredible. It was not at all what I thought was going to happen. And as you said, uh, Sergey landed some hard shots first and Aspinall took them. Um, pretty well. There was I didn't see any wobble or anything at all. Uh, did not expect that outcome at all. I thought Sergey was going to be the one to knock Aspinall out, but I loved the way Tom Aspinall looked in there. He was so light on his feet. He was his head movement was amazing. You know, all the synapses were firing. He looked amazing. You know, if that fight unlikely, but should it have gone five rounds, even three rounds, I think all that energy, all that movement would have had to, um, you know, would have died off a little bit. He would have gassed out, but he had enough. He used it just right in the first round to be able to get that finish. And, like, I'm still shocked seeing Tom Aspinall as the, you know, interim, okay, whatever, but I, I could just consider it UFC champion, heavyweight champion. And, like, coming in on two weeks' notice, just like Michael Bisping with this a crazy knock, a crazy knockout victory, like, <laughs> that's incredible, man. You can't, you can't write that. No, I, I'm with you there completely. Um, and full credit, like he admitted it. It's like, I will say this. You, you've noticed this over the years. Michael Bisping with Darren Till, with Tom. He, he's kind of, I almost got to think the UFC almost gets these guys in contact. Or maybe it's something behind the scenes. I heard one of the commentators say, you know, people don't realize how nice Michael Bisping is because of the way he is on TV. Yeah. Um. Bisping tends to take a lot of these new English guys under his wing. And I think because he knows it, I think he knows that like, I think he genuinely wants the, that legacy that he built to live on. I mean, he was the guy in the UK and he wanted it for Darren Till. Uh, You know, Tom Espinel said it like his mentor is Michael Bisping. And it's like, I think that's great. I think it's, um, I can only appreciate that level of camaraderie from their countrymen. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I mean, how about that? Short notice also, beautiful. UK MMA having a beautiful moment right now behind Leon Edwards, now behind Tom. I mean, Tom Espinall ain't headlining no fight nights anymore. It's pay-per-views here on out. Right. You know, great for him. Uh, you know, the UFC has to be happy in the sense that, you know, He's headlined how many consecutive London shows? 
now that ticket price just goes up having him there and the uh, i'll say it again i was there you know last year and this genuine fan support i mean there's not that many guys that have a specific chant like michael chandler goes out there yeah let's go uh justin gaethje goes out there yeah let's go the tom aspinall fans in the uk had a whole little chant like he was a soccer team <laughs> and it, it's really great to watch this is a guy who's never fought for a ufc title um god bless the fans love him he's got this very much everyman style you know he is not this braggadocious guy like no. his beloved mentor he's just a chill dude big guy his dad with him it was just a beautiful moment um what that means for the business we've already talked about let's talk about the future uh cyril gone through his head in the ring tom said i think cyril needs to fight jelton and he did what i expected even though i don't think it'll happen tom you know kind of said john jones just just yeah. give me the fight man Right. And he was congratulating us like, John, let's just do it. He knows the fight isn't there for John. I heard Dana White. Dana White is like, John versus Stipe is the fight. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I get it. Tom is holding out hope. And I'm not going to lie. I saw Stipe walking. I don't. He he wasn't walking like a man with two healthy legs. It felt like he might have hurt himself. <laughs> uh oh. I don't know why. It was just, he there? I missed it. Was yes. He yes. Okay. It, it was when some of the crowd shots. Okay. Um. All I'll say is that, like, if Stipe stubs his toe, I mean, John, really? But then, I'll, I'll, once again, I'm going to just say right now, move on. John and Stipe don't take that fight. You don't have to. Yeah. This is, uh, I think Cormier said after the um, the show, the legacy fight, like the BMF, we need almost like the legacy MF. You know, like, we don't worry about titles and all that. Jones and Stipe are fighting for like we said, essentially the legacy championship. Yep. In this moment, you look at Sergey's resume. You look at the way Tom beaten Spive- beaten both Sergeys. Only guy I think in UFC to do that. Um, beat both Sergeys. Been on a roll. I would argue that in this moment, with that victory, best heavyweight in the division right now is John. You know, John is the best fighter ever. But if you look at who's had the best resume of the last, you know, two years at heavyweight, it's Tom. Tom completed it by beating Sergey Pavlovich. So you can do this with John Jones, but I understand this is now business now. John doesn't want to fight young lions. He's done that for 10 years. Yeah. So Tom Aspinall, if we're moving on, I say you take on Jelton or if you want Sergey and let's just get it popping back to back to back. If you're starting at UFC 300, let's go. I'm here for it. Personally, wouldn't mind seeing Cyril. I think stylistically that's a fun fight. I'm not hating on Mr. Jelton Almeida. You already heard what I thought about him last week. Yeah. Let's go. What about you? Yeah, I mean, is is uh, look, I, yeah, Tom Aspinall should get the top heavyweights available. Like, he's exciting. He's charismatic. He's all these great things. He's going to be a great heavyweight champion. Um, funny, everything you want. And light on his feet, game for anything. I mean, we've seen it, two weeks notice. Uh, calling out John Jones, you have to do it, of course. And I'm thinking, though, like, he, no, I'm thinking, he cannot wait that long. We, you know, it's been 
eight months is, was the timeline, but we all know that's probably a little bit on the short side, right? Considering the, the nature of the injury. Yes. So, I mean, who's Cyril gone fighting? It's not scheduled. <laughs> that, you know, I don't, is he, is he worthy? Right. Is that, I don't know because oh, I can't remember what was his last, um, Sergey Spivak was on a roll. Okay. You know, okay, so I, I get it because it feels like Cyril has had two chances relatively short for undisputed gold, right? Yep. I'll say it right now. It feels like Tom's undisputed champion. Yeah. John Jones is in his own. Uh, I agree yeah, completely. Like the fact, super fight, like yeah, PFL has the super fight. John Jones is in a super fight division. He's not in the heavyweight division. He's it not. feels and like. And Stipe has chosen to put himself in that division two by yes. only being willing to fight John Jones. Yeah. Um, in fact, when Tom Aspinall won, he's rolling around the canvas. I don't know which of the commentators said, you know, Tom Aspinall interim heavyweight champ, UFC heavyweight champion. And I was like, I know you have to say it, but it just felt wrong hearing it. Like, yeah, he's not the interim. He is the champ. Like, let's look at eligible, willing contenders. And John Jones and Steve Miocic are not those. So I wish they would just call him, um, the regular champ and then get on with it but well, obviously they can't do that i mean and i want to make it clear uh john jones the goat and i know there's a lot of talk he's the goat i think you know when you look at the big history of everything um if john loses tomorrow and tom loses tomorrow i know who i'm saying was the better fighter overall like i know that you know that yeah. everyone knows that so it's like it's not a knock on Tom or John that like this fight isn't happening. It's just business. John Jones is saying, you know, it's high risk, low reward for me to take on young lion Tom Aspinall. Right. I think uh, I'll be real with you and I'll say it again. I think John sees Habib and GSP and he's like, look at their careers being at the finish line. You know, retire on top. They had their fights. You could. Uh, I, I I asked John Jones and it's like. Was there ever any thought like, you know, you go out on top in March, you know, it doesn't get any better than this. And he kind of said, my heart always knew I wanted two fights. And in his mind, I wanted to win it and then defend it against Stipe. And it's like, okay, so here we are then. Um, it's just about business. And once again, Tom is the one with time to work. Sergey could come back. Cyril is out there. Jelton's out there. John is just in another category. And that's okay. You can enjoy them both objectively as an MMA fan, you know, mm -hmm. but I don't feel this great need to pair Tom and John together for those reasons, you know? Yeah. Yeah, but um, uh, look, I loved it. The respect he clearly had with Sergey and Sergey, man, a few words, but clearly spoke non-verbally and returned that respect. I thought that was beautiful. I like to see more of that, you know, in the cage. I think it makes for a lot of fun, too. You know, just like let's both fans just appreciate it. I think it's great. So I really liked it. I liked the way they handled it. They brought a lot of energy to the fight. I think it was good. So um, UFC 300 is what Tom wants. I I don't know if you see this meme a lot like I do, but there's the meme with Mbappe about, you know, a thing and everyone uses it. I'll be there no matter what. Well, All I know about UFC 300, I'll be there no matter what. Yeah. Would love to see Tom. You yeah, know. man. If they decide Tom Jelton, J Tom Cyril, 
I'll be there no matter what. It's got to be Tom Cyril. Tom Jailton. I think Jailton off of that performance against Derek Lewis, you're not going to put him in UFC 300 against Tom Aspinall, who just okay. had this exciting victory. Sorry. Just... Well, once again, with Cyril, it feels like how many chances do you want to give it's him It's true. It's belt? turning into like the Holly Holm thing where like, you know. And I get it. Like the way he looked against Spivak, it was great. But it's like. Yep. I know true. UFC could be like, we don't want a situation where we're now saying once again, Cyril taking on John and for the heavyweight title, right? But who yeah. knows? So, yeah, I get you. For my money, uh, I'll say this objectively. I think Cyril Tom, I'm with you, is the better fight. But Jelton, I mean, Jelton was really exciting before the last one. Yeah, he was. I know. So Come I shouldn't on. just. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I get I it. Recency bias. Recency bias. Yep. Um, let's talk about these finishes. Jessica Andrade uh, stops Mackenzie Dern. Uh, Mackenzie came to bang. Um, Jessica, though, I, I like her presence of mind. I feel like a lot of people thought if Mackenzie starts tagging her and starts getting things going, it might start to fall apart for Jessica, just given her recent skid. Got back in the win column, reminded people that she still got all the weapons that made her dangerous in the first place. That was great. Uh, Benoit Saint-Denis, Diego Lopez... Um, all I'll say about it is great use of the platform. Go out there, drop some bodies, call out some big names, try to make some noise, make something happen. Don't, you know, awesome, great work. I think that you didn't walk away from either of those quick finishes thinking, oh, uh, you know, like, I'm going to forget about these guys. I think you went in there saying, yo, I remember them at the MSG card. If you put them against, you know, the Fazievs and the, Sarukians and you know the Arnold Allens and all that now we're ready to see some more action featherweight and lightweight so I'm happy with it what were your thoughts on uh that exciting undercard for the pay-per-view yeah man it was cool great uh Andrade Dern that that was a heck of a fight you know I, I will say this I didn't agree or appreciate the criticism from the commentary about Mackenzie Dern striking yes her chin was up but that's not like that's not the end of the world. We see that sometimes in uh, female grapplers who learn striking, right? Ronda Rousey is the strongest example I can think of now. It's not ideal. However, Mackenzie Dern's striking has improved so much. She has heavy, heavy hands. And her punches, when she threw them, looked strong. They looked good. They were landing. If she just had, I think it was more the footwork than the head placement or head position. But in any case, I felt they were like, over criticizing it a little much um but she was game and i appreciated that man she's in there to 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 stand her ground i'm not just a grappler i'm a mixed martial artist look what i can do the only the only problem is andrage is really 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 good at busting through um strikes she has bombs too and you know when you look at andrage's technique it's not superior she does keep her chin down but she also wings her punches and she kind of has to because of her stature and her arm length so you know she did her arm winging and and it, it you know it, it was effective i have a question for you though sure ruka shutting down why did that what's the story there why did it shut down if you know but more importantly why did that mean that Mackenzie dern could no longer train with jason perillo like couldn't he just find another gym well, I think there's something to be said about being at a facility and then private coaching. Okay. So, for example, you know, if you're one of those guys who just cut a percentage, 
Jason Perilla now, he doesn't have a facility to my knowledge, or he's in the process of reopening one. Okay. So if you want to work with Perillo, you're essentially paying Perillo to not be in a gym with a lot of athletes that are he's coaching. Mm-hmm. You are paying him to come to you for private time. I right. can imagine Jason Perillo is a great coach. I could imagine, you know, that costs quite a bit of money to have him with you four or five days a week. Right. Right. That's what I'd imagine. The Ruka thing isn't anything controversial. Remember, Ruka is also a clothing brand. Yep. I'm not altogether clear on how the gym aspect became a thing but the fact is uh the overall umbrella ruka brand was sold uh earlier this year and you know they were just like uh what are we doing with this gym uh we need a you know we we bought ruka but we don't want to keep paying for a gym the new owner said and so they just closed the facility which obviously perillo made home obviously guys like uh jalen turner mckenzie chito rockhold you know, made a lot of great use of. But that's essentially what happened with Ruka Training Center. And I do still see Perillo, you know, he'll be out there with Chito and all that. He is still a Orange County, I believe, you know, guy is Perillo. But yeah, I would imagine, you know, if you don't have a gym now, it's like, look, if you want Perillo there, he's there to be just with you. And in terms of cost, you know, Perillo has bills and things like everyone else. You know, now we talk about a budget. Now it's like, um, you know, if you want me there just with you, it's still, you know, this is a business too, as much as he is also obviously their friend. Perillo was in the corner with Mackenzie, if I'm not mistaken. So Okay, I didn't, yeah. I was looking for him actually, and I didn't see him. So I, I obviously just missed it because that, that's part of why I was, yeah. the question was, man, he wasn't even there. So I totally missed it. I, I could have sworn he was. I know he was there and Chito was there obviously too. Okay. So yeah. yeah, there you go. Um, look, it was a great undercard. We talked about it, but um, really enjoyed it. Another great night at the Garden. Um, the only thing missing was another Michael Chandler in a banger. I mean, I thought it, it's kind of like the Macy's Parade in New York. I mean, this is what we get, you know. Santa mm-hmm. comes rolling down. They turn the tree in Rockefeller Center. Michael Chandler gets into a banger at MSG. I mean, this is what's going on, UFC. Yep. <laughs> anyway, um, I digress. Good stuff. Now, a lot of news was breaking over the course of the week. Uh, on Saturday morning comes out, Bellator lightweight champion Usman Nurmagomedov tested positive for a banned substance. In the same release, it did come out that he had been prescribed a medicine by a doctor. Many people came out to say it wasn't a performance-enhancing drug as much as it was, you know, something to help him out with something else. I believe it was an illness. But the fact is it contained a banned substance. He did not declare it or request an exemption, which is the real point of controversy. If you know you had it. Some fighters, they've come out, like Ronda Rousey. I declared Flintstone vitamins to (laughs) USADA just to be safe. And it's like, okay. That is where the controversy is because it's like, wait, if you know you're taking medicine, why wouldn't you? Uh California doesn't play when it comes to any kind of procedure. Um, So that's where the hook is. But the fact is the California Athletic Commission overturns Usman's victory last month to a no contest. Um, Brent Primus is expected to be back in the tournament. Here's the issue. Because Bellator is here to make a statement on what they're doing. I'll say it right now. Bellator doesn't know where they're going to be in three months yet. Yep. I think that hasn't been concrete 
ironed out. So I don't think they want to make an announcement. Oh, Brent Primus is back in the tournament. Oh, but we're selling and everyone's going to PFL and there is no more Grand Prix. So it's like, well, but what was the point, you know? Uh-huh. Now, in terms of this, I did see the post by Mike Kogan, who... I forget his official title. I know he's a higher up at Bellator. I can't remember if he's also... I I believe he's part matchmaker, part something else. Kind of like a lot of guys are. But I know he said, well, we're just going to run it back with Usman and Primus. And that did make me wonder. It's like, well, what does it look like next year, though, for Bellator and PFL? Because uh, in my mind, and we're probably going to get an answer this week, I hope. If Bellator continues in any capacity, I imagine one of the last things they're finishing is the Grand Prix. Uh-huh. But like we talked about several times, I think if PFL buys it, they're not exactly buying them to keep them running separately. They're buying them to bring in all this talent and kind of just become a real solid number two in the world to UFC. Right, right. In which case, Usman and Primus, you want them at PFL tomorrow. If they do in some way continue Bellator and the point is to still try to sell some tickets if you're going to do this, I'd imagine one of the last things they do is finish the Grand Prix. In which case, maybe you have time or maybe you just go, well, we're just going to do Primus versus Patricky or Shabli. And that's the end of that. I don't know. I don't think they know yet. I think they are still waiting to see some things happen, but that's where we are. Um, I'm going to toss it to you. What's your reaction to all that and the situation we're now in? It's just kind of like we know nothing, <laughs> but we have little pieces of information. We have context here. clues. Yeah, exactly. We're just like trying to, you know, put together the puzzle, but we're missing the whole center part of it. Um, we're missing all the center pieces. So the news about the the medicine, it's just obviously he doesn't have – um, like nobody explained to him the importance of registering your uh, your medicine. He forgot, or you know, he doesn't have someone there to to do it for him. So it's it's a lot. Like think about what a fighter, <laughs> all the things a fighter's working on to get ready for a fight, um, and then you have to remember to do this one thing. However, if you don't do this one thing, the the consequences are monumental. So it's pretty silly that this happened, but okay. Um, you know, as far as the future, I don't know, man. It's just, I kind of feel like it's just got to be wait and see because no one's telling us anything. We're just speculating, which is fine. That's that's fun to do, but we've been speculating about this Bellator PFL thing for a while now, and I'm I'm just wondering, like, is there going to be a big announcement at 301 or is that cheesy and disrespectful to Bellator? Because what it really means is a lot of people are going to lose their jobs, but for the, the biggest names um, that fight in the cage. So probably we won't see that, but you know, I don't know. I just, I don't really know anymore. I just kind of want to, I'm just hoping we get resolution before the year ends. That I might mean, be too I, much to ask. <laughs> I think that's what we're going to get, but what I hate to say is I don't think we're going to get it this Friday. Yeah, I don't think so. It, which it just kind of is like, guys, what are we doing? You know, we're trying to talk and we're trying to figure it out. But, you know, I also respect, and I heard this 
Bellator, like, Scott Coker isn't in charge of those things. He doesn't own Bellator. He's not, you know, in charge of how the soup is made. He just serves it to the people, and he's the figurehead at press conferences. The president of Viacom doesn't do uh, virtual media days with the MMA websites. So he really knows maybe he may actually honestly know just about as much as the rest of us believe that's it or crazy not. that's crazy yeah i mean he may know you know it's kind of like the loading bar what percentage we're at but it's like you know they may tell him maybe we do this maybe we don't i don't know i don't know but um yeah in, in regards to this i would say ideally you have somehow about by Definitely by next summer, I would hope. That would be my ideal wish is that whatever happens, if you have to have Primus and Usman run it back, then they just run it back. Um, But ideally by next summer, if PFL owns Bellator, I would expect by next summer all the Bellator talent is at PFL. And now maybe that could lead to something because ideally I would have said... The Grand Prix winner fights maybe the PFL tournament winner. And maybe that could be something we do in 2025. Yeah. But I would have thought you want to see whoever it is, Usman, Patricky, Primus, Shabli, in PFL by this time next year. And now this makes it feel like that probably won't happen if you do resolve this tournament with respect to everybody. So all this to say, you know, and I've been saying that a lot. I think that Bellator will resolve the tournament, but that means we're not going to see the top lightweights in PFL next year. Oh, man, that's Or if we do, I mean, like, end of the year kind yeah, of deal. Yeah, yeah. Like, championships card featured fight. Yeah. So. Or Brent Prim, you know, you just... Usman might just call it macaroni and be like, well, I guess I'm fighting PFL next. <laughs> and Primus yep. and... Uh, Patricky or Shabli just fight for the tournament before going to PFL. Yeah. I think that's the easiest way to cut it. Usman and he's just like, well, I guess I need to win the PFL tournament since I can't fight the uh, the thing. Which, mind you, six months suspension. I believe last year the PFL tournament started in April. Ten months from October. April. He'd, he'd be good to go. Okay. So, <laughs> there we are. There we are. What else? I mean, what else can we add? Nope. Um, look, obviously some other stuff going on in the MMA universe. We've got some other changes. Aspen Ladd taking the, the spot of Julia Budd against Kayla Harrison. All I'll know is all I know is that PFL hasn't given many details. They said Julia did not fulfill her contractual obligations and was released from PFL. That's bananas. What, <laughs> what does that mean? We have not been given an answer. As part of the media, I'm going to just say this and move on with it. Everyone I've talked to, and as I know, have not been given an answer. I talked to Aspen Ladd. That interview is on my account. Um, she did not know anything else. She just said, I just heard it was like a thing with like the manager in PFL or management and PFL. And so it's like, I don't even know what it was. I thought it was an injury, but whatever business, I wasn't told what their business is. So anyway, moving on from that. The fact is, new opponent for Kayla Harrison. Aspen told me that she was preparing for a while to be the backup, but as the time got closer, they were like, your services won't be needed, so we're not going to obligate you to cut the weight and everything else, too. 
Instead, this happens. They asked Aspen, do you still want it? Aspen said, yeah. PFL said, we know you're doing the short notice. How does 150 sound? Aspen said, I'm not going to look a gift horse in the mouth. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, obviously, Aspen, UFC veteran, split her fights in the PFL this year. Um, didn't make the playoffs. Uh, I believe Julia Budd didn't either. Uh, long story short, though, now we have a situation where Kayla Harrison's taking on short notice opponent. What are your thoughts? It's super bizarre. I, it's disappointing too, but look, the field for Kayla Harrison has always been thin. She had to beat Larissa Pacheco three times before she lost to her once or two times before she lost to her on the third time. I can't remember, you know? And so the next biggest name in that promotion was Julia Budd. So what the heck, man? <laughs> like now what? It's it's disappointing, but also not surprising. It's just a tricky weight class, right? To to get meaningful talent for the biggest name in the PFL, uh, well, female name now at this point, because you have let's not forget Francis Ngannou is now a part of that roster, and the the story behind it is so odd. Like, what on earth could Julia Budd have done to get dropped by PFL? You know what I'm saying? Like, she seems like a super amenable person. There's not a lot of places for her to go fight. So you think you would just kind of go along to get along. It's very strange. And Aspen Lad, you know, good for her to get this opportunity. I'm just disappointed because I don't think the fight will be as compelling as it would have been against Julia Budd. That's all. Yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Um, especially, look, shenanigans aside, because I, I will say this, whatever it is, that's all, whatever business, if I don't know, I can't speculate on who is asking for what and who doesn't want to do what on which side. I don't know. I'm going to leave that until we actually have more details. What I will say is I know Julia was excited for it. Kayla has been scheduled against Julia before and it fell apart. Yeah. Now we have this situation with Aspen. You know how I feel about short notice in these big fights. Mm -hmm. Now, mind you, Tom Aspinall makes me feel like I need to stop saying these things. But, you know, <laughs> uh, I'll say, you know, it isn't the best situation. I do know that Kayla Harrison's contract is up. So I think there was this mentality that, like, somebody's getting in there and throwing hands even if we got to pull in you know one of our pr people to do it you know what i mean yeah yeah so oh, i truly yeah. i do appreciate the situation that being said like yourself i don't feel the best about how it came together aspen is a very tough uh contender she was talking to me about how great she's felt this year at 145 body feels better mental health physical health all of it feels better not having to go through all of that stress on her body to make 35 so in that way i think it's a great um situation all things considered uh on short notice uh, one thing i'll say about the aspen versus julia matchup is that aspen tends to go to her grappling a lot more naturally than julia julia is also well-rounded and has great experience former bellator champion but i think aspen's game is definitely a lot more she could show you her hands and then she could wrestle with you, which is obviously a great threat to someone like Kayla Harrison, who's so comfortable being such a great grappler. 
um, that it's kind of like, all right, you know, how does she solve a puzzle with someone who really could get after it with her on the mat as well? So that makes for a lot of fun, in my opinion. I really like that fight, and I think it's going to be interesting to see how they keep going forward with this one. You know what I mean? Yeah, it is. I mean, it'll the fight. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a fine fight, but um, you know, I guess on my wish list of who Kayla Harrison would face in PFL next, it was Bud, then Lad. So, but it is what it is. This is the fight game. It's it's just the nature of Bud's absence that I guess is what's causing this conversation even really to happen because if it had just been a substitution due to injury it wouldn't feel as such a big deal as big of a deal yeah that's very fair it's just um like i said it comes together in a weird way so i think it's just one of those things that's like well we can only take the best we can yeah like i said tom aspinall making me a believer i'll tell you right now (laughs) hell yeah but yeah that's just how that came together uh, finally, our last bit of news. UFC Shanghai gets a main event. Song Yudong taking on Chris Gutierrez. Wait, sorry. That, yes, Chris Gutierrez. I was yeah. reading another name. <laughs> Song versus Chris. Um, look, Song is obviously one of the top Bantamweight contenders. Obviously doing well. Um, beat. Uh, oh, my gosh. I've had a lot of names, and now it's just like you want to reel them off and you fall apart. Beat Ricky Simone. He was going to fight Rob Font. Got injured, couldn't fight Rob Font in August. Uh, Chris Gutierrez, obviously doing well. He lost to Pedro Munoz last year, and then he beat, or before that, beat Frankie Edgar. Um, Very tough guy. Very dangerous guy, Chris. Song, like I just said, you know who he is. You know he's really knocking on that door to be one of those guys like Marab and Sanhagen and Aljamain and all that. So, happy to see him. Obviously hometown favorite or home country favorite going back to china the fight is objectively good it's fine it's about a month out from now it's good you're telling me they're going back to china but we couldn't get it done for zhang wei li and yan shanan yep what are your thoughts <laughs> that's crazy like i don't understand that i mean obviously i have no information no background and uh on what the reason is why wouldn't you put that as your main event why wouldn't you do everything you could is it because when is this hold on let me see when's this fight this um, fight december. is december 9th yeah december yeah 9th. okay so i don't remember when they last fought but i think when we talked about this previously in anticipation of what this matchup main event would be it seemed like they were available, right? It seemed like this was a no-brainer. Yeah. Who knows, man? Who knows? But could they be saving them for UFC 300 because they know it's going to be a banger? Possibly, but also you think on a, from a business perspective, though similar to the way they put all the they put their best foot forward for um, Saudi Arabia. No, sorry. Do you? I, no, now I'm mixing them up. For United Arab Emirates? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Similar how to how they put their best foot forward there. I, I would have figured that in the for the Asian market, they were also trying to really do similar, uh, do the same. So I'm very surprised by this. It doesn't feel like a strong enough main event at all for this territory, for this market. But, okay. I mean, isn't it like a head-scratcher? <laughs> So, you know, once again, you can only speculate, right? Yeah. If I had to imagine, 
I don't think they were necessarily sure they were going to China this year. Okay. I think it's one of those things that this particular travel came together rather late in the game. If you're not going to China, there's no onus to put uh to make the call to Wei Li and Yan and say, hey, you guys should stay ready. We're going to have a fight in China. If yeah. they didn't know this until later, obviously Wei Li doesn't need to be taking it on an abbreviated camp. Neither does Shonan. So I, that's the only thing I can imagine happened. I've heard this, that the UFC's travel plans, some of their smaller fight nights, they're coming together a little later in the game. Because, you know, they're kind of like... The traveling circus, you know, you just kind of go to the town and have gloves. We'll travel for most of the fighters. Yeah. It just so happens China is one where you felt like the timing, objectively, if you knew in July that you were going to China in December, we would have been circling this date for those two for months now. But because we didn't know we were going to China until later, now we have a situation where we just don't have the time to make the fight you should be making in China. And once again, Wei Li and Yan is a great fight anywhere. It would have been a special night in China, but that's just not what we're going to get under the circumstances. So that's the only way I can imagine this happen. Um, I'm not going to keep harping on it because now it just feels like the crying over the spilled milk. But for sure, that's the fight we would have preferred. Song and Chris is an objectively great fight. Both of them bring it. Both of them you know, like to bang on the feet. Uh, it makes for a great fight. Um, so we do still get a good one. Also remember, it would have still been a fight night, so I also get a little bit, you know. It's a rare event that title fights end up on fight nights, and so I could understand Zhang Wei Li and all that. It's like there might have even been less emphasis to put her on a fight night when you know she could bolster any pay-per-view anywhere else. So I also get that too. Yep. Yeah. That leaves us, um, look, we got a pair of events this weekend. On Saturday, Brendan Allen versus Paul Craig. Um, Look, Brendan Allen obviously having a good year, pulled off the upset. Um, Now also he's part of continuing the welcome party for Paul Craig at 185. Paul looked fantastic earlier this year, and I'll say it again. I know we saw him make it comfortably, and we can't be surprised. How is it this giant of a light heavyweight is making 85 looking that strong still? Absolutely wild. Um, I love his whole thing with the Braveheart and all that. He leans into it, has the most Scottish of Scottish accents you can hear, <laughs> ever have. Um, but look, it's a they're going to bring the action. They're going to bring the violence. Don't hate it. Um, I will say it is very clearly, look, after we've had a back-to-back, you know, Abu Dhabi, Saudi Arabia, MSG, I'd be lying if I said this one isn't like, oh, because slow down. We don't need, <laughs> you know, five days of media. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. What are your thoughts? It's a, it's a good fight. It's a fine fight. And, you know, you can't just be revving, you know, to 9,000 every Saturday. So, all right, I'll take a, <laughs> I'll take a breather. I'll, take, uh, I'll accept uh, taking the foot off the gas pedal. It's okay. But it's kind of it's like it's like you can see it both ways where okay, we got a little break, not so intense. We don't have to pay for those who pay <laughs> for the pay per views. Mm-hmm. But also you get a little bit used to having these 
crazy fights. We've had so many in a row. So it's like, oh, that's the next fight. Uh, well, all right. However, again, Paul Craig is 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 great. He's entertaining. You know, fun to watch. So I'm not complaining. Yeah, it's a great fight too. Uh, by the way, quick breaking news. You want to hear it? Sure. They're gonna. They've rebooked the rematch between Magomed Ankalaev and Johnny Walker for January 13th main event. Okay. <laughs> so first event of the year. So I, I want to say there might be one more card after the 296 pay per view with Leon and Colby. So okay, good. The UFC calendar gets back to action a lot quicker this year. I feel like, or maybe about the same time next year. I like it. I'm glad they're moving it along. Perfect. Yeah. Um, back to our MMA breakdowns. Um, I'm with you there. It's just a good fight, objectively, between Brendan and Paul. Um, never say no to more MMA, and right. that's all I'll say about that. Uh, Bellator 301, um, Sergio Pettis versus Patchy Mix. That's the fight I really want to talk to you about. Okay, let's hear it. So, look, so you got the unifier. You have Patchy coming off the knockout of Rafion Stotts, who was on a roll. And then you have Sergio doing well since he came from the UFC. Comes back after, I believe it was a knee injury, and beats Patricio Pitbull, who had dropped down, was trying to become a three-division champion. Mm -hmm. And now you got this unifier. With respect to Amosov and Jason Jackson, which is another great fight, great grappling from Amosov, taking on the well-rounded Nissa Jackson. The Bantamweight fight, to me, that's like the people's main event. That's the one I really want to dig into. Um... The thing I like most about this from Patchy, he's so tall and long. You would think he's a guy who really just likes to let him rip and let him go, and obviously he did on the feet against Rafion to get the finish. He's such a talented grappler, and I think that's what makes this fight interesting, is he's built very uniquely for being a tall grappler at 135. And then you got the versatility of Pettis' game. Uh, just kind of good everywhere. Obviously, more of a striker himself, but he really just is like another one of these guys, very well-rounded, taking on a little bit more of a physical specialist in Patchy Mix. That makes this fight very dangerous and very interesting to me. What about you? Yeah, it it is interesting. These are two Bellator pros, some of the bigger names in the promotion, who I'm going to mention it again, even though we have no no um, actual facts here, but who I think would transition very well to PFL would you know really help stir up that division. So I don't I doubt that either of them is thinking of how will they look in the eyes of the PFL you know powers that be, but it's got to be on their mind a little bit, maybe, because you want to make sure you get carried over, right? Um, unless you feel you have, you know, viable, meaningful options in another promotion. So in any case, maybe there's pressure from from that perspective, but in, but also just there's a man in front of you, you got to beat him. So I, I like Sergio Pettis in this more than I like Patchy Mix. Maybe it's a little biased just from, you know, Anthony Pettis and, and all that history and MMA with the Pettis brothers. Uh, but I think he's scrappier, hungrier. He's going to get the job done. So it's not going to be a knockout or anything like that. It's going to go the distance. But I see Sergio Pettis with his hand raised at the end. 
Oof, it's such a good one. Uh, it's one of those Sergio Pettis just almost reminds you. It kind of just keeps making you a believer, right? I mean, he was a guy. He kind of left UFC when he was still in a really good spot of his career. And then he's just really reinvented himself as a bantamweight, grown into that frame. And just, he's been beating some great guys over there at Bellator. And it makes him, you know, really one of these talents. You know how young he is, obviously coming over. And we know him through his brother and all that. But the moment he's at in his career, it's kind of like, look, you know, you, you give him a great chance against anybody. And then you have Patchy Mix, who's just so exciting. What he's been able to do in the Grand Prix. Bouncing back from that loss to Juan Archuleta, which was a competitive fight. And, you know, he's without a doubt one of those guys in this moment that you feel like you could inject him. I guess because Sergio Pettis, doesn't have that new kid on the block. Patchy Mix winning the Grand Prix. He has that novelty again. He has that, you know, the, the new kid in school, like, interest. Yeah. That it's like, if Patchy pulls this off, beats Rafion and Sergio same year, it's like, bro, it, let's get him in there against the top bandweights tomorrow. And I'll say this. PFL, this is where the mystery is so important. If PFL gets all the contracts automatically. Yeah. I feel like that is a huge get. You could build a season around Patchy at Bantamweight and Sergio, to be real, but Patchy would be the centerpiece if he wins. Patchy is a guy, if that's not guaranteed, you got to imagine that UFC will definitely pick up his contract if he beats Sergio and Rafion. Yeah, probably. And it's like, that. that's where the mystery comes in. But I say this, not to knock on Sergio because Sergio is the champion. Sergio is the guy you still need to go through. But it, it feels like Sergio made the call. He went to find, you know, the grass is greener in Bellator. Props to him. It worked out great for him. We haven't seen Patchy against those other guys. And I think we really want to. And I think that's what makes this more interesting is that like for the future, you're talking about a guy who will be a very big piece either at Bellator or UFC, uh, depending on how they look after they win this one. And that makes it a lot of fun. Um, in terms of the style, in terms of all that, I expect a competitive fight. If Patchy's getting it to the ground, I don't expect it to be easy. If they're on the feet, I don't expect Sergio to lead the dance the whole time. I think there's a lot of weapons you got to watch out for from Patchy. Um, makes for a very fun fight. Ah. <sighs> I, I, I got to say, I got patchy mix. Okay. <laughs> I just got patchy mix. I'm sorry. I like it. No, it's I all do. good. I think he's going to get it done. I think he's just got the more dangerous weapons on his side that you got to watch out for. So that's just where we're at. But, um, yeah, I think uh, the big thing, fine, the end of Bellator as we know it. That's not to say it's the end of Bellator, but things are going to change. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that as we uh, close out the show? Well, you know, feeling disappointed for those people that will be out of a job at Bellator, whether from, you know, office, uh, behind in the office, um, in the cage, just there's, it takes a lot of people to run an operation like Bellator. So that's a bummer. 
when you look at the flip side of it, what does that mean for MMA? What does that mean for, for, for PFL, for the fighters from Bellator that make it to PFL that will suddenly be in a shinier promotion with a lot of forward momentum and a lot of you know big global prospects? That's a big deal for those fighters that get taken over. And then I think about the UFC, and now we have a legitimate competitor to the UFC. How long does it take before we're deciding between watching a UFC fight or a PFL fight? Are they going to be generous with their, you know, night with their bookings? Like, you know, Bellator would usually do a Friday night. Um, if UFC had a Saturday night, every once in a while, UFC would bow out of a Saturday night. Um, if Bellator had a big enough card, like with anything with Fedor, right? And how's that going to work with UFC and PFL? Or are they just going to be running towards each other, you know, like a game in a game of chicken who blinks first? So I'm very curious about how all this is going to roll out um, in the next year. Yeah, you know, uh, like you brought it up, um, uh, it's just if you are not in MMA media, if you're not a part of this and covering. I don't think you realize how much opportunity a promotion like Bellator has provided to journalists over the years. Oh, yeah. I know plenty of people, um, certain uh, bespectacled uh, co-host included. Um, first event mm -hmm. that I think I ran into you. Yeah. Uh, you know, first event for a lot of people. Uh, an opportunity to cover and know what it's like to cover big fighters and big fights. Um, that, you know, quite frankly, the UFC brand doesn't afford to as many people because they are such a in-demand, you know, there's only so much room at any event. Um, so the fact that, uh, you, you know, many people have cut their teeth, so to speak, in Bellator, covering Bellator, being a part of Bellator, I've seen many opportunities for people in other parts of the business um, getting to be a part of something in Bellator and their team over there. Uh, it's huge, and to know that that is going to change is very um, is very depressing. It may feel just like a little, you know, it's like we have Domino's and we have Pizza Hut and we have Blaze <laughs> and we have this and that. It's one yeah. of the pizza places is closing. You know, it, it's really a lot bigger than that. It is. But I also get if you're not in it, why you wouldn't feel the effects. But the business changes losing a Bellator. I'll say that right now. And um, in terms of Saturday, post-Saturday, what we may get, all I know is that things are changing. And my biggest thing is, like yourself, athletes, production, executives, and other employees behind the scenes uh, find their next opportunity as soon as possible. And, you know, if this is it for Bellator, I don't want next week to be the Bellator... Um, eulogy as much as i would just want it to be i hope they have a great night and we got to enjoy it one more time yeah the way the, the way we have always liked right and it's a great card aj mckee sydney outlaw uh like i said amasov and jackson shabli patricky pitbull you have some good names on the undercard um it makes for great stuff so i hope they have an amazing night in chicago um wish i could be there and that's all she wrote natalie on bellator 301 Okay. Um, next week, Black Friday, Thanksgiving, we'll get into all that. But the PFL World Championship, 
I would just say this right now. There are so many fights that are interesting objectively. I'm, I know how we feel about running it on Black Friday at pay-per-view. What I will say is that I want them to invite everybody. I want to see Jake Paul there. I want to see Nganu there. I want to see some of the Bellator people there. I want to see. I want you to make this feel like, yo, we are going to announce something big, even if you don't. That right. is what I want for Bellator. In terms of the fights, look, you got Kayla back. You got Clay Collard, Olivier Open mercier You got the Giants, Goldsov and you know, Ferreira. Uh, you got the women, Pacheco against first-time first time finalist Moknatkina, uh, Impasak. Impa Kasanganai, Braga, Pinedo, you know, you got some new kids on the block looking to make their moment. You know, all of it is great. I want the extracurriculars. I want to have that FOMO. I want to feel like if I'm not watching, I am missing something good. If you can sell that, you've made this a success, even if the pay-per-view numbers do not blow the roof off. That's what I'll say about it. Okay. What about you? Any um, I, thoughts? I won't disagree with that. That's all exactly what I would like to see and probably most people will want to see. Get us excited. Let us feel the the energy and the future, the, the potential of your future, right? Let's. You're talking a big game. You sign some big names. There are these rumors floating around in the air. Let's feel like you're about to be something big. Yeah, I'm with you. And then there we go then. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be back to talk about all of it. Remember, like, comment, subscribe. We'll be back next week. Until then, have a good one.